Welcome to the Talking 306 podcast, an original Saskatchewan podcast hosted by me, Dale Richardson. On this episode of the Talking 306 podcast, my guest is Darla Lindbergh. Darla Lindbergh is the president and CEO of the Saskatoon Chamber of Commerce. In this conversation that we recently had in Saskatoon, we discuss Darla's life, including growing up in southwestern Saskatchewan, women in business, her role right now with the Saskatoon Chamber of Commerce, and of course, important policy issues in Saskatoon and Saskatchewan right now. My name is Dale Richardson, and I'm the host of the Talking 306 podcast, and this is my interview with Darla Lindbergh. Kind of a busy time for you these days, eh? Hey? Yeah. Grand, grand opening at Last night. the new space here. Yes. Yeah? Yes, and it was, how was fantastic. That? We, great. We had upwards of 100 people flowing through this space, and everybody was excited. There was a lot of positivity coming from our membership, talking about the new space and the brand and how it's such a great option for the chamber, but also for our membership yeah. as a value proposition to them because the space is open for rentals for our membership. Currently, as we're doing this interview, we have one of our members renting out one of the spaces. So, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And a, yeah, a lot of people came to it, so so that mm-hmm. was good. And then you were recently in China. I was, yes. I spent what three did you days do in Beijing. Yeah, it took longer to get there than actually. You being were on like the you were just there in Beijing total for three days. Three days, yeah. And then came back. Yes, I, oh. I flew directly to Thunder Bay from Beijing. Why so, Thunder Bay? The Canadian Chamber does an annual conference and AGM every year, yeah. and they choose a different location across Canada to do it. We're shooting for that conference to come to Saskatoon in the next few years. That would be great. It would be great. But yeah, so we had that conference in Thunder Bay, and I didn't have the time to come home, so I flew straight there. I wonder, I I feel like a, most people don't fly from Beijing to Thunder Bay. No, I don't think it's a, <laughs> I don't think it's a common flight. However, the gentleman I sat next to was flying from Italy, so cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your story a bit, if sure. if we can. Um, are you? Where's home for you? Home is along Diefenbaker Lake for oh, me. Yeah. That's where I grew up. My parents were farmers, yeah. both grain and cattle. Whereabouts along the lake? Like Kyle area? Uh, between Kyle and Beachy, yeah. but south. So right... So h- highway... What highway is that that goes up from Swift? Like like along highway that four. highway between? What is it? Four. Yeah, four. Yeah. 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 So it's not along Highway 4. It's not across okay. the Saskatchewan okay. Landing. But if you were to get in a boat at the Saskatchewan Landing mm-hmm. and drive or down the river east between 30 to 45 minutes, depending on how fast you're going, uh, you would end up right in front of my house. When okay. I up. Yeah. Okay. So they farmed. Yeah, they did. Uh Grains? Yeah, ev- grain, cattle. They've the transitioned deal. over the years, and now they're focusing more on cattle, but yes. Okay. Yeah. So then, um, so you grew up there, and then where did you went to school in? Beachy, Saskatchewan. Okay. Graduating class of seven. Really? One, one male, six females. Oh, man. <laughs> and were you the smartest in that class? 
Oh, I never think I'm the smartest. Okay. I surround myself with smart people. The correct That's answer there was that you should have said yes, but okay. <laughs> no, I. you know what? I think a lot of times who you surround yourself with is it determines how smart you actually are because mm. a lot of people don't surround themselves with those that are at their level or above and success is dictated by those that you work with yeah. as well as your own work ethic. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. Okay. So you go from Beachy and then, and then where did you go to university? You did some, I read somewhere <laughs> that you did some, some early training somewhere. Yeah. So my, my path was a little bit different. I yeah. didn't go directly to university. I got married when I was 19. Wow. So quite okay. young. Yeah. And within a few weeks after getting married, my husband and I moved to Denmark. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I didn't we, know that. We spent some time there. Why he, did you go there? He played professional hockey there. Oh, yeah. And I was waiting for my paperwork to go through for a full year and it didn't happen. And at the end of that year, we decided, you know what, considering I couldn't work, I couldn't have a bank account, uh, go, take out a library in book in Denmark, yeah. even buy groceries because I didn't have access to a card outside of cash. Uh, it was challenging. The why, why was it so hard to get all that for you? I'm not sure. I still wonder about the, that. Yeah. Call the Danish government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? They probably had process improvement initiatives since then, but uh, obviously their processes were not extremely fast at mm -hmm. that time. Okay. So you, d you did one year in Denmark. Yes. And then came back. Came back. We moved uh, to Eston, Saskatchewan. We lived yeah. there for a bit and I worked in various roles, uh, mostly the service industry. Uh, we moved to Saskatoon. For what did your husband do when he stopped playing hockey? He started working with his father who owned a masonry company at the time. Okay. Yeah. So we transitioned to various communities, including Saskatoon, over the next year or two and ended up in Swift Current. Right. And we were there for 14 years yeah. prior to me yeah. coming here. Yeah, you were there for quite a while. Yeah. Um, where, where did you work for the... I read this... In your bio, you worked for the Living Skies Housing Authority? Yeah. Where was that? That was in Swift Current. They had a okay. regional office in Swift Current. So Living Skies Housing Authority was a contractor, almost like a subsidiary, I guess, of sorts, of Saskatchewan Housing Authority. So yeah. they managed uh, the low-income housing across the province. Right. And I was in the southwest region working through training and helping the managers in different communities run their programs, yeah. had a baby, mm -hmm. went back to work, was asked to go to the head office in Regina. So I did that and then started concurrently. For, for Sask housing. Yeah, yeah. And then started concurrently taking my education. Yeah. yeah. So what was that program? What was the program? Yeah. It was my, well, my degree, my finance degree yeah. at the time. And I'd, I had two years of undergrad under my belt before I went and I finished it off at that period. Good. And then you went back to Swift Current? I drove back and forth between Swift Current and Regina. You did the old, the old Brad Wall thing. I did. People joked that we should have been carpooling <laughs> because it was all in all. Every, so every day you, you did no, the commute? Every week. Okay. Yeah. And about four or five years of that because I finished my undergrad degree doing that. And then I decided to take my public relations, did that. Yeah. And then I took my master's, yeah. my MBA. And you, I did. I drove for that as well. You did a lot of education, and I looked on your LinkedIn yeah. page, and I was, I was shocked by the. <laughs> oh man, most people have one, maybe two, 
possibly three things on mm-hmm. the, on their education. You've got about five or six, I think. Yeah, couple, I think education. A couple certificates in there. and Education's always important, and yeah. it's always a value. If you combine education with experience, you've got a winning combination. Right. So let, let's talk about Swift Current a little bit, because um, Swift Current and Saskatoon, of course, are uh, sort of similar, but very different cities, different... Well, their, uh, their power structures are the same in terms of a utility. They're the only two cities in Saskatchewan that are not controlled by Sask Power. Oh, I didn't the know that Swift Current own, was like that. Yeah, oh, okay. they own their own power authority, which is good for both cities. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so you worked... Um, when did you start working at the at the chamber there? Like, was that... I started... Walk me, walk okay. me through the through the career cycle when you're in Swift Current. Okay, so we we ended off at Living Skies Housing Authority. I was yeah. at the head office in Regina. At the time, uh, a job posting had come to my husband's attention that he thought fit my skill set and what what he thought my values were. And he said, you should look at this. And so I did. It was executive director for the United Way in Swift Current. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And so I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll try it. I'm on a term contract with Living Skies right now for their head office, so I might as well look ahead and see if this is something that would fit. They wanted me to do it, so I ended up concurrently working for both organizations and taking a full course load to finish off my undergrad degree of five classes. And, and had a little kid. At the time, or yeah, we at the time we had three children. That is okay. Okay, that yeah. is a busy life, I think. Yeah, yeah. Doing that much, wow. That's yeah, great. so I had a very strong support system yeah. from my family and my husband, and that's the only reason I was able to do it. And it was challenging. I thought I was going to cave at certain points when mm-hmm. I was going through those five classes and driving between cities and running an organization and working for Living Skies Housing Authority. And at that point, I realized, you know what, I need to let something go because I can't be superhuman. Yeah. And so at that point, I told Living Skies that I was going to cease working with them. Yeah. And I focused on the United Way and finishing my education and did some really fun and interesting stuff with the United Way for a few like years. What? Oh, well, the organization when I walked in was having a few challenges financially and from a branding perspective. And so we we had very little in the bank when I walked in. When I walked out, we we had a few hundred thousand dollars, which mm. was fantastic. Yeah. So it offered sustainability options for the organization going forward. Uh, the brand was more recognized in Swift Current, and we did initiatives that other communities have done, like Day of Caring, which hadn't been done before. Our board changed over, so there was a governance aspect to it that uh, we had to walk through and change management that we had to put in place. So it was a learning experience for me, but it was really valuable and really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then what did you do after that? What was what was the next stop? So I was still working down that path and enjoying what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I anticipated being with the United Way for quite a while longer. And the chamber approached me. Yeah. And they said... Swift Current Chamber. Yes, the yeah. Swift Current Chamber approached me. And they said, we really like what you've been doing. And we're wondering if you're interested in coming over and running the chamber. Because their executive director at the time had indicated that she was going to be moving out of province. So there was a gap there. What and year was that? Oh, 
now you're making me okay. rejig my memory. My research should have been better, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, I believe, was around 2013. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I went into that role and, again, had a lot of fun. Great board, awesome people. The business community was fantastic. And I kind of fell into my niche, if you will, mm. because you get to be a champion for the community. And I loved that. Right. Pretty, pretty different going from a nonprofit charity, though, to, and, to representing the business community. You know what? That for me was the, if I had a downside to the charitable structure of an organization it would be the fact that you give away every dollar at the end of the year so you're always starting over and oh, yeah. for me i love to build and grow and see things develop or or reinvest it in the organization to create more capacity and from a charitable perspective that was challenging right. from a nonprofit perspective that was attainable so that was something that really attracted me to mm -hmm. the chamber okay that makes sense mm -hmm. so um Yes, Swift Current business community, um, obviously different than yeah. Just what what were some of the projects? I guess that that you running the chamber. Like, what were some of the things that that you were trying to advance in that in that community? Well, we we did initiatives, a lot of research around what was keeping businesses up at night. I yeah. I worked with the the city to do research in regards to businesses. I also lobbied the city in regards to some issues that were impacting businesses, and it varied from day to to day. Not as much as my role with the Saskatoon Chamber, mm -hmm. but it was diverse and interesting and. I got to work with a board of directors of entrepreneurs who were focused on growing the community and making it better. And that was what was exciting for me. Yeah. So, and then you went to the, to the credit union. Yeah. I went Innovation to Credit Innovation Credit Union. I believe that was around 2015. Okay. The one thing I did do was between United Way and the Chamber of Commerce in Swift Current, I ended up concurrently running both organizations for a about oh. six months oh, okay. just to help manage transition yeah. and yeah so that was also a bit challenging you you seem to gravitate towards doing a lot at one time i tend to it, it almost makes um it almost makes running the saskatoon chamber of commerce the biggest chamber in the province seem like not that big of a deal <laughs> <laughs> oh there is a lot to do here yeah, but I yes know, I, I, I do like taking on a challenge either one perspective could say I like taking on a challenge. The other side of the coin could be I don't say no enough, but mm. uh, I do love challenges and I do love making an impact. And I usually am quite uh, a fast mover. Yeah. I'm very pragmatic when I know something needs to happen. I like to make it happen as soon as possible. Right. You left the chamber and in, in Swift and you went to Innovation Credit Union, yes, right? as a yep. as an associate VP. Yep, I I ran. They have twenty two locations across yeah. the west side of the province. What is Innovation Credit Union like? I think most people so, know Connexus and yeah. and Affinity. And Affinity. And so they those two credit unions are the top two largest credit unions in Saskatchewan. Innovation Credit Union is the third largest credit union in Saskatchewan, having 22 locations along the west side of the province. And so my portfolio within that organization was to run marketing, strategic intelligence, product development, community investment, what I coin as the fund side 
yeah. of the banking industry. Yeah. 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 I don't I don't think many people look at the at the numbers <laughs> and go, Oh, that's so great. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And for me it was it was a really good learning experience, uh, never being in the financial services industry before. It was a fairly steep learning curve um, to the point where, speaking of doing too much, I had unintentionally started a business prior to that. Oh, what was that? Uh, photography. Okay. So <laughs> I ended up getting a camera and starting to take pictures of my kids. I'm not laughing at, at, at the, at the business, uh, you know, at you doing the business. Yeah. It's just... Oh, okay. Just adding on something else here. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. it started off taking pictures of my children and within three months I had three provincial contracts. Oh. So it, it turned into this. So you were pretty good at doing it. It appeared yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. So I, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And, but again, un, unintentionally a business, I wasn't intending for it to move that quickly or grow as big as it was. And so when I took the position with Innovation Credit Union, I pulled back from that side of things because I wanted to make sure I put my full attention into the learning curve associated with the financial services industry because it is very detail-oriented. It, yeah. it is highly regulated, and it's something that you need to get your hands around and your mind around. Uh, so the so tw- 22 locations are mm-hmm. were most are most of those in smaller communities on yes. the west side of so I'm assuming most of those communities the credit union is one of the biggest businesses for for them right it is yeah. and oftentimes it is the largest community partner or donor of funds right. in that community so they do a lot of great work initiatives when it comes to community support and engagement and they help a lot of the the nonprofits and businesses through capital and other means to yeah. grow and expand and yeah make communities great yeah it it's been kind of a tough last couple of years for the for the larger banks and in in smaller communities like that like yeah cibc and and i and i think the royal bank stopped operating in a in a few smaller communities in the province and and that was i think that was a big loss for for those communities yeah because of the reasons that you just said with the with the donations to the communities you know funding the new rank or whatever mm-hmm. it may be right yeah and we i saw that when i was with innovation there were definitely some of the larger banks pulling out of the smaller communities and interestingly although i understand it the reaction from those communities wasn't necessarily as negative or as loud when the large banks would pull out of those communities but when credit unions consider pulling out of communities people really care why is that because I'm from Saskatoon, so the so the, the the credit union thing, I don't get. I've traveled mm-hmm. a lot throughout the province um, with some of my work in the last number of years. I get it a little bit more, but um, yeah. Yeah, I would say that people care because the structure of a credit union is a cooperative. Yeah. So it is equity based, and the members own it. Very local. Right. So yeah. it was created. A lot of the credit unions were set up locally as independent entities and then over time have merged or expanded to other communities and people look at the credit unions as a vital part of their community and when there's the threat or reality of one pulling out it's like a school shuts down or the post office leaves it's one of those foundational pieces for them that they they don't want to see because it almost predicts or is an indicator of that community shrinking 
or declining in population or vibrancy. Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor for this episode, 306 Media and Communications. 306 Media and Communications helps businesses and organizations with any help that they may need with public relations, social media advertising, and communications. Uh, if you need help with social media ads, like on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter or Snapchat, if you need media relations and media training help to get ready to talk to a local reporter, if something has happened in, in your organization and you need some issues or crisis management help, if you're getting ready to start a campaign, whether that be a political campaign or some kind of advertising campaign and need to figure out your messaging for it, or if you need some writing services like speech writing or press releases or blog articles, 306 Media Communications can help you. For more information, contact by email at info at 306media.ca or visit the website www.306media.ca or by calling 306-527-1914. Now, let's get back to the episode. Um, so then in 2017, uh, Kent Smith-Windsor, former president mm -hmm. and CEO of the Saskatoon Chamber, he announced that uh, he was retiring or going, going to be stepping down from his yeah. role. And the Saskatoon Chamber came calling to you. Yeah. So how did how did that process all all happen? Did um, I'm I'm interested in? Mm. Were you sought out for that? Did you apply? How did I was how did sought that out by a headhunter? Yes. Grant. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, that turned out well for you. Uh, yeah. You no, know, it, it did. And both the the board members that participated in that search as well as the headhunter were very very professional, very great. Um, obviously I buy a hundred percent into the chamber mission. I did when I was in Swift Current and I mm -hmm. still do. The fact that, like you said, I get to represent the largest business community in the province and the largest chamber in the province yeah. and speak on behalf of them is huge. So, so is that what, what really drew you to doing it? Cause moving from, well, from anywhere to another city is a, is a big deal for for, for families, of course, and yeah. going from Swift Current to Saskatoon is, yeah. I mean, that's not a short drive. No, it, it's not. I'm Although assuming it, that was a big move for you guys. It, it was a big decision for our family to make, for sure. But considering I knew what I was getting into and yeah. I was completely bought in before we moved and made the decision, it made it easier. And our family structure, the way we we've raised our kids has made it a lot easier too. My husband's been homeschooling our kids for about seven years now. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So the transition, why did you guys choose to do that? Oh, <laughs> uh -oh. we, we <laughs> took about a year and we researched whether or not that was an option for our mm. family and whether it would be good or not. What made us look down the road of whether we should homeschool or not was when our daughter, she was going into grade three and she was in French immersion. The school was great, but we were starting to see changes in her due to three different teaching slash disciplinary styles between daycare, between school, between home. 
And I started to sense mm. a lot of confusion coming out of that. And I wasn't a huge fan of that. So like she couldn't quite figure out oh, who, who should I listen to here? Right. Is it? So different rules in different environments. And it tended, I, see. I thought that that was probably not the best solution for, for her or our other, other kids as they grew up. Mm-hmm. So my husband and I sat down, this is shortly after we had our third child and we had a conversation about it and we came to the conclusion that we decided to have these three children and it was our response responsibility as parents to do the best we could to raise them in a consistent manner and if we could manage to do it one of us would stay home with them and at that time was the decision where my husband said you know what I will stay home with the kids you go finish your education so that was kind of the interesting the point in the road where we made that decision and then I have been either going to school or in the workforce ever since and he started homeschooling the kids and it's been great. Yeah. No, that sounds nice. Yeah. 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 They're very, very good, uh, well-adjusted. They like little, doing it? Little people. Any any concern <laughs> about, um, like, uh, not to get too into this particular topic, but one of the things that people say about, about homeschooling is, well, where do they meet friends? Where do they mm. meet other little kids and yeah. things like that? Any, any issues with that with your children? What we found is homeschooling, typically will take them between anywhere from two to four hours a day, as opposed to a school system where you're in school yeah. for the whole day. So it frees long up, days. yeah. And it frees yeah. up a lot of time for them to get involved in other activities outside of just their curriculum. So in Swift Current, we actually found that they were more social than most kids oh. because we also combined with our view to homeschool them we took away things like television mm-hmm. to make sure they didn't turn into what we termed at the time vegetables. Okay. And we found that they were extremely creative and extremely social. They would spend a lot of time out in parks or at pools or in the neighborhood with the other kids. And yeah. uh, probably I would say people within a 10 block radius of us knew our kids because they were that social coming to Saskatoon. They are still social, but it is an adjustment for them because they've had to start over basically. Yeah. They don't know anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And we have kids who are in a different stage of life. I called them little people, but my daughter is 14. So she's not that little anymore. Uh, So for her, she's going through a different phase of her life and I'm seeing different adjustments happening in terms of connections with other, other girls. 14 is a weird age. Yeah. It can yeah. it can be a little challenging and a little exciting all at the same time. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you guys, you got the job at the chamber, mm-hmm. um, Saskatoon Chamber. What are the big differences, uh, may, maybe similarities is mm-hmm. the more interesting question, uh, between Swift Current and Saskatoon? My sense of Swift Current, having been there a little bit, I've obviously never lived there, but it is more urban than I think people think. Is that accurate? Well, considering it's a city with a population size of under $20,000 and has its own Starbucks, I would say yes. It has a Starbucks. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Which for a long time, Regina did not have one. Right. So, so that speaks up volumes. Up until recently. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that was a pilot project that uh, PharmaSafe in Swift Current did. Oh. And that's the largest PharmaSafe in the world in Swift Current. Really? By the way. Yes. Yeah. So they put a oh. uh, Starbucks in their 
their location and it just took right off yeah. people just supported it like crazy so oh, i didn't know that yeah wow. and it has two tim hortons so yeah yeah constantly yeah People love their coffee in Swift Current, I guess. That, I think, I think they the love it everywhere. The story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of similarities between the two communities and the roles, definitely there are similarities in the scope or mandate of the roles. The differences are we have obviously more members in Saskatoon. What's the total number of members? We're around 1,500. Mm. And in Swift Current, we were around 340 yeah, when I left. Big difference. Yeah. 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 So we we also have a larger team in Saskatoon to accommodate those members, mm-hmm. uh, which is a difference. I had mentioned day-to-day. It's constantly different in Saskatoon, which I love personally. Yeah. But I could be meeting with an ambassador one minute to going to a meeting with a small business owner locally the next minute to doing a podcast with a random right. dude. Yeah. Oh. So it's all over the place and it's great because the exposure to all these different realms and ideas and opportunities is there. Mm-hmm. And so my job is to take all of those and funnel them and, and, come to the conclusion of what can we do to partner with all of these entities to create a better outcome for our community right. and make Saskatoon the best best place to do business in Canada. Yeah. When when you meet people and you tell them that you are the boss at the Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. do people ever look at you like, I've heard of what a Chamber of Commerce is, but I have no idea what they actually do? Definitely, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there are some so what people do, that what know. Do, what do chambers of commerce don't. do, in okay. your opinion? So chambers of commerce typically do three things, um, and then they offer programs and services outside of those. So they advocate for their members and the business community on issues that may be relevant or impacting those businesses. And th- those could be municipal issues, provincial issues, federal issues, or other. Mm-hmm. So they could have an issue with trade, as an example. It could be within their own community. It could be uh, between provincial boundaries. It could be externally outside of Canada. They could have an issue with a policy that the, the city is putting out. Or they could have an issue with a tax initiative that the provincial government is putting in place and it's our job to stay on top of that and make sure that we are speaking on behalf of our members for two reasons i would say and maybe more than two but first off because we have such a large membership base that people pay attention when we talk about something because we're speaking on behalf of 1500 businesses or over 30,000 employees in saskatoon and secondly because it gives anonymity so there, as an example, there was the small business incorporated tax change that was being considered last year that we lobbied very federal hard. Federal tax change. Federal tax change. Yeah. That we lobbied very hard against. If a small business, and we had small businesses say, we're not okay with this, but we don't want to put our necks out because we don't want to be audited or we don't want to be targeted by the federal government. Mm-hmm. So we create that level of anonymity or safety for our members where we can speak to the issues and protect their businesses, which I think is important. Are our chambers political then? Uh, we are 
nonpartisan, but yes, we do play in the political arena. Yeah. Our job is to connect and convene our members <clears throat> with political figures as well as work ourselves directly with them to ensure that things that our members want to happen do happen and those things that our members don't want to happen don't happen. No. A lot of times people don't even hear about the work that we're doing because oftentimes the best work we do is behind the scenes. And so if an initiative is coming down the pipe and we hear about it, we won't necessarily run to the media and say, hey, look what they're doing. First, we go to those parties, government officials of whatever level it is, and we sit down with them and say, this is a concern. We need to work through this. And most of the time, those government agencies or individuals are very receptive to that and want to hear that feedback. And they will build that into their decision. A lot of times... That decision ends up being favorable to our members and right. it is a non-issue then. So nobody hears about it. Mm-hmm. Those times that that opinion or that voice is not listened to is when we start to get more public with it. Right. One of the issues that <clears throat> that people seem to be interested in these days mm-hmm. is the living wage or the, mm-hmm. or the, or the $15 minimum wage. Um, Regina City Council just last or yesterday voted to not move ahead with a living wage for the for, for city employees where um where would your chamber um what is your position on on that topic either of a living wage or 15 dollars minimum wage i think in the short term a living wage seems attractive but people need to look at a decision from both a short-term perspective and a long-term perspective so yes you will have people making more money therefore they will be able to use their disposable income to do whatever they want to do with it. However, businesses, if you look at it from a business standpoint, if they have 100 employees and they have to increase their wage amount that they pay to those employees, they it's a math equation. They yeah. still only have so many dollars to allocate to people. So what do they have to do? they have to decrease the number of people that they employ. Mm-hmm. So yes, more that you ha- will have people making more money, but there will be some people that will end up unemployed. For how long, I guess, is the, is the right. question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the other f- side of it is that increase, if that cut is not made, will be passed on to the consumer right. through inc- increased pricing for products and services. One of the things I saw recently, um, it was a restaurant owner, I think, talking about this on, on Twitter, mm-hmm. saying that it's it's just like when somebody's rent goes up, you you have to make adjustments in your life to deal with right. with that increase. And it's not, a, I mean, it could be bad or good. I, I mean, I guess it's bad for the renter. Mm-hmm. But if you are still going to live in that place, live in that apartment, in that house, and, and you have to pay more, you have to make adjustments. And just like what you said, that may be passed on to the person who's buying a burger at the restaurant or right. they may not be able to hire two more staff in the summer to work on the patio at, at, at that restaurant, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So, yeah. And Regina and their decision, they said that their employees are well paid. And a lot of times that is the case. You've yeah. got, when you have a good employer who is in an industry, who's managing their, their funds appropriately and has a margin to work with, they will ensure that they're good people stay there and they will compensate them appropriately. Right. Um, What about another Saskatoon issue? What about the downtown arena? Mm -hmm. 
I I suspect this is a really fun issue for you guys. Yes, I am a big advocate for a downtown event center. I think it would be fantastic for us to move that direction. I think it was a mistake when the city invested their funds outside of Saskatoon last time because a lot of times people will come to the shows and then go straight 30 home. years ago now. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But there's a lot of economic spinoff and revitalization that could happen in the downtown core if they were to put an event center down here. And it becomes not just about an arena or an yeah. event center. It becomes about a district. Yeah. It becomes about a destination. Right. And it's not. It's about more than just one entertainment option. It's about shopping. It's about food. It's about uh, hotels. It's yeah. about movies. It's about... A whole bunch of stuff. What about the people that say, well, what about the parking? You know, this is yeah. like that, that is the most common comment that people say. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, there'll be, you know, tens of thousands more people downtown on one particular mm -hmm. night. I, I don't go down there in the first place. Why would I go now? Yeah. Well, I think the city has somewhat addressed this. They did a parking study yep. a few years ago, and I believe it was about 14,000 parking spots that it were It was available. a really interesting study, honestly. It's yeah. really geeky to say that, but <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of parking, there is availability. I think there's also other options to look at. But if you even move the concept of parking outside of this discussion and say, what are the other modes of transportation that could be used? Well, the city's investing $126 million in a BRT, yeah. a bus rapid transit yeah. route, that could be utilized for purposes like transporting people to a downtown event center for yeah. shows or <laughs> for games. And I think it's an option that works very well, hand in hand. People, people seem to have... Um Correct me if I'm wrong, but in, in the last couple of years, people seem to have, um, like if they're going out to a Rush game or something at um, Sastel Center, they seem to be taking those designated buses that are that, that go out for, for the big events, mm -hmm. right? And living in Regina, I know that a lot of people in the last two years with the new stadium um, going to the Rough Riders games, a lot of people are taking the buses from you know, from the north end of Virginia, parking their car and taking mm -hmm. the bus to the stadium. So I think it just people need to take it once and then realize this is okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll be fine. Yes. And uh, it's it's change. Yeah. And rarely do people like change. They don't. Yeah, Mo they most don't of the time like, they yeah. don't. Yeah. And often it takes years for people to adjust to change. It doesn't mean yeah. that change is bad. It just means it's different. Mm -hmm. And if it's going to help the city, is that change something that should be pushed aside? I don't think so. I think yeah. we've got a lot of infrastructure projects that have gone ahead in the community in the past, like the Delta Besboro, like TCU Place, that if they hadn't been put in those places and the investment had not been made, Saskatoon wouldn't be what it is today. So right. it's somewhat about that short-term, long-term perspective again. Right. So tomorrow it may not feel very good or it may not be something that I appreciate, but 10 years, 20 years, 50 years down the road, it's going to be great for the community. Mm -hmm. uh, beyond those two issues, um, what's what's the mood in Saskatoon these days? What's the what's the business climate like? It's It's gone down, I think, a, a little bit in the last 
couple of years just with the overall economy in the province but yeah. are are you hearing from your members that they're optimistic about the business side of things for them and people i guess generally in saskatoon are they are yeah. they happy do you think well, I, I'm hearing optimistic reports for sure, uh, even from lawyers that I visit with who deal with companies that typically when they see an increase in volume. Litigation stuff. Not litigation oh. as much, but even resource-based. Yeah. They know okay. that good stuff is coming. So there is an optimistic tone in the air. However, you're right. We have seen a downside to the economy in terms of resources, especially potash and uranium yeah. lately. I think it's been a tough year over the past 12 months or more because of the NAFTA issue. So anytime right. you insert uncertainty into an economy, you're going to have a decline. Yeah. Because people aren't going to invest. They're not going to stake what they have on uncertain outcomes. Yeah. So in order to have a vibrant growing economy, you need to ensure there's a level of certainty. And that can be done at the NAFTA level, but it also needs to be done, or now, should I say, USMCA, yeah. the new acronym. Uh, but it also needs to be done at the municipal level and provincial level. So all, of, all levels of government need to be focusing on how can we make the environment certain for business investment, because that is what drives jobs. And that is what's going to make our economy great and make our communities livable and allow us to invest in other programs that support the best communities to live in. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Um, last topic before we wrap up. Sure. Um, I could be wrong about this, but I get the sense that when People think about chambers of commerce. They think about, they might have this vision of a bunch of old white dudes sitting around running, um, you know, businesses in the province um, or I guess anywhere in the world, really. But uh, Calgary's Chamber of Commerce mm -hmm. recently appointed a, a female CEO mm -hmm. this past spring. Edmonton's Chamber of Commerce CEO, also a woman. Yeah, Toronto. Toronto. You mm -hmm. were... You've been in this job for over 18 months, yeah, 18 months now. Um, and then Saskatchewan, there, there was a news article uh, maybe a week or two ago saying, saying that um, female-run businesses are, I mean, they've, they've exploded basically in the, in the mm -hmm. last year or so. Can, can you just talk a, a little bit about that topic? And A, um, is the vision that I just conjured up for you about old white dudes running businesses. I mean, that is quite clearly not a thing anymore. And particularly for, for chambers of commerce, it seems to be changing. Yeah. Um, but just kind of broader about uh, how important that is for women mm -hmm. in, in the business community. And I, I think at one point that was a legitimate view of chambers and other organizations, not just chambers of commerce. But when you look at our history, we're 115 years old. The reason we formed was to get goods and services across the river by ferry because really? the, the individual, yeah, the gentleman that ran the ferry had other businesses and interests and wasn't able to provide consistent service. Mm. So some businessmen from Saskatoon got together and said, let's form a chamber of commerce. And that's how it was formed. It was white men. Yeah. There were there were very few, if any, female business owners at that time. And so... Over the years, we have seen a shift in society 
welcoming and encouraging females to get involved in businesses in a formal way, Mm -hmm. both through entrepreneurship as well as senior leadership. And I think that's very encouraging. And from a chamber perspective, I think that, that females bring a lot of value to the table. However, I also think men, males bring a lot of value to the table. I think that we need to have both. And I think that if you are to skew one way or another, you're doing the organization a disservice. So I'm not necessarily myself personally a fan of or supporter of quotas in terms of you have to have X number of females in your organization. Yeah, Yeah, it's a common thing that people talk about. I believe in the hierarchy of competency. Mm. So you hire the best person for the role and don't let gender play into it. If the person is able to do the job better than a female or a male, you give them that role. And I just don't take a position with regards to one is better than the other or that kind of mentality. I struggle with it, to be honest, because I think that we really need to focus on diversity, yes, but what I believe in more than diversity is unity. And ensuring that whoever is on your team, hopefully it's diverse, but whoever is on your team, it's united and you're working towards a common goal. The office here at the, at the, Sask- mm-hmm. at the Saskatoon Chamber, 95% women, right? It is yeah. right now, yes. Yeah. yes. That's, that's a good sign then, I think. It is, yeah. definitely. We have an amazing group of competent women, and we do have one, one man on our staff, and yeah. he is highly valued. Uh, and yes, these folks are great, but they were not hired for their gender, no. and they're not kept yeah. for their gender. Yeah. These they're individuals... They can do the work, exactly. and, they're, and they're really good at Exactly. It. Yeah. But I think in terms of females and entrepreneurship, if you give a woman the ability to start a business, access to capital, and she has the education to back it, you've got a success yeah. recipe. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, last question. Your resume looks like someone who could be, speaking of competence, a particularly competent politician. <laughs> any uh, any interest in doing that? I have no aspirations at this point, to be honest, with regards to politics. Um, I know I've actually had that. You just like lobbying them right now. You know what? I get the I have the fun side of it right now because yeah, yeah. I get to still work with them and yeah. I you know what? I grew up somewhat around politics, so uh, my my uncle was the first leader of the Saskatchewan party, so it was Ellen Hermanson. Yeah, right. So I've seen. I heard that that might have been the case. Yeah, yeah. I've seen his journey through federal and provincial politics, and it's not an easy job, and no. it's a thankless job, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but it's a very important job, and I have a high degree of respect for anyone that goes into that arena. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Um, well, maybe maybe one day you'll change your mind and, <laughs> and put your name forward. But until then, uh, thank you for the work that you do for businesses in Saskatoon and the province kind of at large. So Darla, thank you very much for doing this. Well, thank you. This was great. I appreciate it. That's it for this episode of the Talking 306 podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Talking 306 podcast on Apple Podcasts on your iPhone, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a follow on social media as well. Talking 306 is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Theme music for the Talking 306 podcast is by Saskatoon artist Maybe Smith with a song that I think is very fitting for Saskatchewan called You Would Never Survive the Winters in This Province. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time.